exploring interesting topics that impact our lives and fascinating ideas that get us thinking. I'm Kyle. And I'm Kelly. And this is Things to Think On. Stone, one of our favorite places, and we were taking many pictures as we are accustomed to do. One of them was when we stopped for a picnic and we took some pictures of our kids. And after we did that and we were looking at them, we noticed in the distance there was something sticking up in a field and it looked like it could be an animal or a person or some sort of creature. And you pointed that out to our kids that there was something behind them in the picture and that it was possibly Bigfoot. And they loved that. They loved that there was something that we caught behind them that wanted to be in a picture with them in the distance. Now, some will debate whether or not it was a log in the distance <laughs> or was in fact Bigfoot, but they believe and will tell you that is it is in fact Bigfoot. And we'll go with Bigfoot for now because it could, it could be Bigfoot or it could be a log. But that has started a fascination with Bigfoot in our household. And that is what we're going to talk about today is Bigfoot or Sasquatch which are used somewhat interchangeably. Yes. Sasquatch is the older term. It's a Native American term. It comes from uh, the Salish language, meaning woodland wild man. So some of the tribes in the Pacific Northwest spoke the Salish uh, languages. Um, one of those tribes is the I'm not sure if I'm going to say this right, but I think it's the Nihalem Tillamook of Oregon. And they had several legends of the wild man or Sasquatch um, that they have passed down for many years. These are like centuries old legends of the wild man. Um, Some pretty interesting stories that they have shared and each of them kind of have their own value and within their culture. One of the stories was about a man who lived outside of the main tribal area. He lived on his own further away from the tribe with his two wives. And one of his wives had just had a baby. One night they were sleeping and the one wife and he were awoken by the sounds of the baby crying and they woke up to see what was going on because the baby was crying and found that the other wife was missing. So the man gave the baby to his other wife and then he took off through the woods to try to find where his wife had gone and he searched and searched and then he came upon a fire uh, which was in the woods and found... (laughs) The wild man had taken his wife and was cooking her. 
Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a gruesome story. Um, so he fired uh, a weapon at him, and the wild man flinched but kept uh, cooking and eating his wife. So he fired again, and the wild man flinched again. And then he fired a third time, and the wild man realized that he was under attack, and he ran. And then the man collected his wife, his deceased wife, and took her home to be buried. Um, now, this is a gruesome story, and you might wonder, why would they tell a story like this, or where does this come from? You know, nobody knows the origins, really, of, of the legend. That's one of the fun things about these Sasquatch or Bigfoot stories, is the origins are often unknown, but they're passed down. Um, and some of the reasons for that um, is that they have you know, a significance culturally that teach you a lesson. Stories frequently do that. And in this case, it encourages you to, you know, stay safe by living within your community. If he had had neighbors, maybe that wouldn't have happened, right? That's kind of the lesson that's learned there. Communities provide protection. Another uh, story about a man, this is also one of the Nihalem Tillamook stories uh, about the wild man. So this one is about a man who went hunting alone in the woods and he made a fire and made a little camp for the night where he was just sleeping, you know, with his head against a log. And with him, he had a bag of deer urine and he had it hanging there. And Does it say why he had a bag of deer urine? I, I think it was because. I think, let me let me check. No, I'm wrong. It was a it was a bladder of blood actually. Okay. Uh, he lay. He f took the elk's bladder and filled it with blood. Um, and I think it was just a practice to save blood for some reason. Um, I'm not sure why. That's just one of those okay. things that they did. They used to save blood. I mean, it was, I think it was pretty commonly used as a talisman. And that's kind of the point sure. of the story. Um, so he filled the elk's bladder with blood and put it at his feet. And he lay down and he went to sleep. Um, while he was sleeping, the wild man came and began to help himself to some of the elk meat that this hunter had. And he woke up and called to the wild man and the wild man ate and kind of tried to speak to him and then eventually he left and he ran away and the man was just so relieved that the wild man was uh leaving him alone and not attacking him or you know hurting him in any way and he credited it to having slept with this bag of elk blood at his feet. And that was supposedly a lucky talisman that kept him safe from the wild man and kept things uh, cordial, if, mm. if that would be the right term, where the wild man only helped himself to the elk meat and not to the hunter himself. So that's, a, that's another interesting story. And it's just another cautionary tale where having a lucky talisman can keep you safe. And again, I don't know the origin of that story necessarily, but it's just a legend that's been passed down amongst the tribes as, as a teaching story and um, 
just really interesting that it's so ingrained in their culture that they have these stories of the Sasquatch. You know, I'm referring to him as a wild man, but Sasquatch is the official term of, yeah. of wild man. Yeah. So that's that's kind of that origin of Sasquatch. And there have been a lot of sightings over the years or supposed sightings, right? We should say supposed of um Sasquatch in the Pacific Northwest. It seems to be pretty common there. Yeah. So these are, and these are more historic stories of Sasquatch. So this is like going back into some of like the native stories. Yeah. Hundreds of years going, going way back, which is really interesting. And a lot of these stories get into some of the things that you were talking about, you know, to pass down like some of the wisdom of why you do things and why you don't do certain things. So why you stay within the community and why you carry a bladder of blood with you in order to ward off the Sasquatch, you know what, if you're hunting. And I think it's really interesting because it's not just here, like in America where we have the, where we have this type of thing. It's also uh, in the Himalayas and the cousin of the Sasquatch, which is the Yeti. And they have similar stories for similar purposes too, that were going on at the same time. And interestingly, this all kind of ties together in possibly in some ways, but yeah, if we look at some of the stories about the Yeti, like they're very, very similar to some of the stories of Sasquatch and some of the folklore where the Yeti was supposed uh, was supposed to be kind of an ape man uh, in uh, the Himalayas and uh, served kind of a similar purpose. So some of the folk tales were very very similar, and some of them very very gruesome too. Uh, I won't, <laughs> won't necessarily dive into all of them, but they were meant to be. So one of them was um, a story where a Yeti took like a young girl and then you know, uh, like does some things to her and then she ends up losing her health and um, a whole bunch of things. And so the purpose of that being that it's to kind of teach the lesson that it's dangerous to approach wild animals. So like helping to to teach children and members of the community that you don't like approach these wild animals or things in the wild and a lot of similar purposes too, like, um, don't wander far away, you know, stay close to the community and things like that. Uh, so those were, you know, very similar purposes to the stories of the Sasquatch here in the Americas is, you know, there's safety in the community, there's safety staying out, you know, living within the tribe and living within the community. Um, so I, you know, I thought that was, really, really interesting. Uh, and, uh, you know, kind of serving some of the same purpose. And so we'll go back to, I don't know if you want to go back to your story. This all interestingly starts to tie together here in the early 1900s as, uh, Westerners start to take a lot more interest, both in Sasquatch and in the Yeti and start to explore some of those things. So I think we've got another story. Do you want to do your story? And then we'll start to kind of tie uh, tie oh. it into Bigfoot and the Yeti and 
how how we came to some of the modern tales. Yeah, well, I wanted to circle back um, to some other Native cultures. One of them is also located in Oregon. Um, we talked a little bit about the Tillamook Reservation, or well, it wasn't reservation at the time, but the Tillamook tribe. Um, but the Warm Springs tribe, also located in Oregon, had um, a variation that was pretty interesting. Um, a little less wild, but this this version of Sasquatch, or some some of the variations call him the Stick Indian, um, but that also uh, is because it's a woodsy kind of almost a creature existing between this world and the next. So less a physical being and more mystical in this, in this particular context. And this version of it was more of a trickster, um, also serving the same purpose of kind of behavioral guidance, less legends. Um, but this trickster would steal away badly behaved children. And he would also help those if you were lost in the woods he would help you but only if you were a good citizen if you were a bad citizen then he might make it so that you would get even more lost and leave you deeper into the woods yeah so this is their version of the sasquatch so i thought that was pretty interesting that 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 was a different variation not so a physical animal type thing being some like a humanoid animal in the woods but more of a mystical yeah it's like a forest nymph or something yes like exactly kind of like the loki yeah the sasquatch loki <laughs> legend uh trickster um and then in other native cultures um there are lots of different uh, variations of the sasquatch or bigfoot where they may be mystical and that includes like delivering a message to someone or just an appearance where if someone sees the Bigfoot or the Sasquatch, then that might be a sign of things to come or a warning. So those are some reasons that uh, some, some things that different native cultures have believed um, the Bigfoot to be. Um, and it's really interesting. So it's a, he's existed for centuries in Native American cultures. And across the U.S. in total, um, there are more than 60 different names for Sasquatch in Native American culture. So that's that's a lot. Yeah. Nice. Um, no, that that is a lot. So we start to get into almost like the the Bigfoot phase of this, which happens a little bit later, which comes in in like the 1950s, which kind of coincides with uh, the almost the Yeti craze as well. Um, so in the uh, so I'm going to kind of run a little backwards and then we'll tie this together. And I don't know how much of this ties fully in, but I thought it was really interesting uh, because, and this is according to the BBC that, um, so you had uh, kind of this uh, Himalayan and, and Sherpas in uh, Nepal and again, the, the Himalaya region that had kind of this 
this idea of the Yeti, which is is somewhat similar to Sasquatch and for a lot of the similar reasons. And you had a lot of Western mountaineers traveling there and getting a lot more interested in this idea. And uh, there was a Charles Howard Burry led a British expedition to Mount Everest and he spotted some large footprints there and was told that they belonged to Mato Kongmi, which meant something like man, bear, snowman uh, was the, the translation. And so when he returned, he told a journalist that uh, about it and that uh, that reporter translated uh, Mato apparently as filthy and then later changed that to abominable, uh, which is where we get the abominable snowman. So it got changed from the man bear snowman, which is probably a much more accurate translation of what it should be to the abominable snowman. <laughs> and then uh, as more and more mountaineers were kind of traveling to Mount Everest, especially in the 1950s, interest just got uh, even higher and higher. And there were actually expeditions launched in the 1950s to find the abominable snowman or the Yeti. And so we were kind of, I think, culturally uh, just like really, really interested around this time in some of these creatures, which as we bring it back to the U.S. was about the exact same time that we uh, came with the name specifically with Bigfoot. So up to this point, it was Sasquatch and it was uh, more of, you know, kind of this native idea of the wild man and Sasquatch. But then, you know, this is kind of where we trace the origin of Bigfoot specifically. Uh, and, And do you want to kind of tell the story? Yeah, so the modern term Bigfoot became popular here in the States in the 1950s when a man named Jerry Crew, who was working for a logging company, found larger-than-human bipedal. Now, for those of you who don't know, bipedal means that you work, I mean that you walk upright on two feet, right? Uh, Bipedal footprints, so they're bigger than man's footprints, in the mud, Um, while he was clearing some land. And this is near the Shasta Trinity National Forest region of California. So that's pretty far north in California. Uh, I would call that Pacific Northwest still. I don't know. West, Pacific Northwest, where it kind of merges together. Um, So he found these footprints in the mud and uh, they were big. (laughs) And that's really (laughs) like when the media reported it, they basically coined the term Bigfoot because they weren't human footprints, they were too large. Uh, Since then, the footprints have been classified as a prank, and it's generally said that pranks were common among logging crews at the time, especially as new members were joining the crew. Uh, The seasoned workers would like to prank them, but they never actually proved that it was a prank. They just kind of made that assumption. Um, so that's a pretty interesting story. <laughs> and that's where the Bigfoot name comes from, is just the media naming it that based on the footprints that were found. Yeah. Big footprints. Yeah. Yeah. And it all kind of coincides together with, and of, of course, we weren't there at the time or even during the time period, uh, but it kind of all coincides 
at this same time period of just a lot of interest in some of these large man-like creatures around the world, both here in the U.S. and like in the Mount Everest Himalaya region of the world of are there, you know, these, you know, hard to find man-like creatures living that, you know, nobody's really ever seen, but we're finding, or we think we're finding like big footprints of them, which is what, you know, some of these expeditions to Mount Everest were saying was they, they were found finding these big footprints and saying that they were made by, you know, the, the Yeti or the abominable snowman. Uh, and, you know, here in America, you know, that they were the Sasquatch or the, the Bigfoot, uh, which, you know, is the, an upright walking, uh, man like creature that, you know, nobody had, had yet seen or hadn't seen very frequently, uh, that lived in the woods and lived kind of a solitary type life. And so it was kind of a, a very, very interesting thing that I think a lot of people were catching on to and wanted to wanted to find more evidence and more proof of, which is what people started to seek out. Yeah. Um, one of those examples of the sightings that was recorded um, is probably the most famous sighting of Bigfoot. And some of you may have even seen the footage. It's known as the Patterson-Gimlin film. Um, and it happened in 1967 after a string of sightings and footprints had been discovered in Northern California. Uh, Roger Patterson and Robert Gimlin, two Bigfoot enthusiasts, went to that region of California with a video camera. And they were able to capture what <laughs> everyone has assumed is, in fact, Bigfoot. Um, so that, that's a pretty big score, I think, for them, <laughs> right? Uh, but you, you should take a look at that film if you get a chance. It's pretty interesting. There's quite a lot of footage of uh, one of the members of the party riding through beautiful countryside on a horse. Um, and then suddenly there is Bigfoot. And there's even a moment where it looks like Bigfoot looks directly at the camera. Yeah. And it's kind of grainy because the film quality back then wasn't great. But um, this is still viewable today on YouTube. You can look it up. Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes to the most famous Bigfoot. Yeah, that's the most famous mm-hmm. sighting. And, um, you know, there's been speculation that it was staged. But again, no one can really prove that it was. And it was never admitted to be staged by uh, Patterson or Gimlin. That they they were they claimed that that was actual footage, and then another example of some actual evidence, not footprints, but that you can view, was actually. So there are some photos. If you look it up, there's an organization called the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization that was founded in 1995. And this is a collection of researchers that are dedicated to collecting evidence for the existence of Bigfoot. And in 2007, um, they've put forward some photos, which they claim showed a juvenile Bigfoot. Now, this is a pretty, I looked at the photo and it was pretty interesting um, because I, I couldn't tell what kind of creature it was. It's obviously 
a photo of an animal or something like it doesn't look I don't know it's something that I've never seen before um some people have speculated that maybe it was a bear with mange I'm no expert but look to it didn't look bear-like to me at all um Anthropologist Jeff, Jeffrey Meldrum, uh, on the other hand, said that the limb proportions of the creature were not bear-like, but they were more like a chimpanzee. Um, but that, we don't have chimpanzees here, obviously, so that can't be what it is. Um, so that's pretty interesting evidence that's been put forward about uh, Bigfoot. And not just Bigfoot, but a juvenile Bigfoot. So that's evidence of procreation, right? It could be. Yeah. Yeah. Which they would have to, right? If they were going to survive. I want to say that, that the, I don't know for sure, but I want to say that the Bigfoot that was on the Gimlin film was actually speculated to have been female. How do you think that they would know that? I think, honestly, I think they were looking at the size of the breasts being larger than you would expect for a bipedal ape-like animal from just from the video i don't know okay all right <laughs> well, from, from their expert opinion of the video <laughs> based on the other there may be male a... <laughs> videos that we have and the other female i don't know that's that it's a, it might like, be a little bit of a stretch yeah but the size of the the creature in question in the photo i can definitely see why they might speculate it was a juvenile because it does look smaller it does yeah it doesn't look like a bear i doesn't agree look with like that. a bear and i agree that it actually does look ape-like like like you would expect a chimp to look but we don't have those here it was taken at night in the woods um i don't know i don't know what that was yeah no, it's it's interesting because your first thought would be it should be a bear, like a black bear, yeah. but it doesn't look like a black bear. And you'd be surprised where black bears are. I mean, you know, they have their uh, designated ranges within the United States, but they're found outside of their range pretty frequently or not frequently, but more than you might expect. But yeah, this did not look bear like I've never seen a bear with mange, but it didn't. I've seen other animals with mange, and I can't imagine that changing it to look so different. Anyhow. So, Bigfoot. Where where might Bigfoot have come from? Let's, let's take for a moment that Bigfoot does exist, or did at some point. What might be the origin of Bigfoot? Well... So I find this pretty interesting to talk about. I always have. Um, I mean, I studied anthropology in college um, with an emphasis in archaeology. So this is kind of something that's pretty interesting to me. Uh, one of the theories about where Bigfoot might fit in to our classifications would be the Gigantopithecus theory. So Gigantopithecus is an extinct genus of ape from the early to middle Pleistocene era. Um, and we have found a representation of this in, in southern China. So other potential identifications of Gigantopithecus have been made in Thailand, Vietnam, and Indonesia. So this is all 
kind of that Southern Asia area. Um, however, the Gigantopithecus has been used in cryptozoology circles to try to link up to the Yeti. Um, and even here in America for Bigfoot, as a example of this, um, in 1960, there was a zoologist who tried to link up the alleged Yeti tracks found by uh, some mountaineers to Gigantopithecus. He basically put forward that maybe it wasn't extinct like we had assumed, and that the tracks that were attributed to being a Yeti were actually that of a living Gigantopithecus that um, was not, in fact, extinct. And then there was also an anthropologist uh, named Grover Krantz who pushed pretty strongly um, for a connection between Gigantopithecus and Bigfoot um, starting in, in the 1970s. And he continued to push that um, up until he passed away in 2002. Um, he he put forward that perhaps there were examples of Gigantopithecus here in the Americas. We just didn't have the evidence of that found, but that didn't mean it didn't exist. So it's a pretty big stretch. We didn't have the evidence of it, but he was he spent a lot of time trying to find the evidence. Um, and he even came up with his own uh, scientific name for it. He called it the Gigantopithecus canadensis. <laughs> to try to give it an American representation. Now, the evidence for that is pretty weak. I would say that the evidence for the Asian variant would be stronger since they did actually find that there. What do you think? Seems that way. <laughs> but the lack of evidence is, doesn't mean there's evidence against it. So, Well, that's how... That's how most Bigfoot people feel, right? There are plenty of people who are, I don't know, maybe cautiously optimistic that it could be a real thing, but there isn't a ton of physical evidence towards it being true. Yeah. But then there's also not any actual evidence of it being untrue. Yeah. So there's also, I guess, some regional. So it's not just the Pacific Northwest either where we have Bigfoot. There's like regional Bigfoot or Big Feet, Bigfoots. <laughs> it's Bigfoots. Bigfoots. That's, how, that's the okay. plural. Yep, Bigfoots. Yeah. I uh, checked. <laughs> well, that's that's good. So re regional Bigfoot legends, which are a little bit variable. And some of them are, they're, they're a little bit interesting too. There's like the Swamp Monster and the Skunk Ape. Which, <laughs> the Honey Island the Swamp Monster. The Honey Island Swamp Monster. <laughs> I don't think I like the like the regional ones quite as much because they well, they don't sound quite as like they're no uh, they're no like forest man. yeah wild man or forest nymph Bigfoot. It's true. Well, these are just locals um, seeing spotting something in the woods, right? And and it gets the Honey Island Swamp Monster name. It's just the the area that these purported sightings have occurred. This is in Louisiana, and it's swampy in Louisiana, so that's why he's referred to as a swamp monster. 
and um, Honey Island just happens to be the swamp. <laughs> <laughs> I think they actually run tours there now so that you can try to catch a glimpse of the Honey Island swamp monster, though I don't think it happens very often on the tour. Mm. So he must, he must be smart enough not to be around when the tour is passing Probably. through. The, the skunk cave. Now that's a name. Yeah. And that's, uh, and that comes from just the unpleasant smell of the Bigfoot. Yeah. And then, and then it's ape-like appearance. It's ape-like. <laughs> yeah. I think that that one, what, where is that from? North Carolina? No, that's Nobby. It's Florida. Let's see. Florida is the skunk. Of course, Florida. Florida. That's, that's the skunk cave. Are we sure that... <laughs> It's just, uh, yeah, that's a Florida thing. Florida man. Okay, yeah, here we go. Some of the reports where these have been cited, they describe it as having a face similar to a gibbon. That's pretty specific. They must have gotten a really close-up view to be able to see the colorings of the face and compare it to a gibbon. Isn't that fascinating? And long patches of hair on the shoulders and arms, similar to an orangutan. This is the skunk ape description of Florida. Also living in swamps. And really unpleasant smelling. So that's... Well, that makes sense. Have you ever been to a swamp? They're pretty... They don't smell great. No. I mean, stagnant water a lot of times is what you're dealing with. And it's hot and muggy and muddy. All of that richness going on is it can get pretty smelly. I would imagine that a, a skunk ape would be pretty stinky. <laughs> the Bigfoot skunk ape. Now, North Carolina does have their own version of the Bigfoot, and and that one is affectionately re uh, referred to as Nobby. That sounds pretty. That sounds almost like a mascot. It does, doesn't it? Nobby the Bigfoot. Yeah, and it's treated as such. Um, they're there have been some pretty recent sightings. The most recent one was 2017, where someone reportedly sighted Nobby in North Carolina. Although there aren't as interesting of descriptions of Nobby and what that might look like. But my understanding is Nobby is pretty traditionally looking as Bigfoot. Ape-like man. Yeah, sounds like a pretty pleasant... Nobby sounds pretty pleasant compared to <laughs> Swamp Monster and, and Skunk Ape. Yes, that's true. Isn't it interesting how so so many places, so many cultures have some variation of Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti. It's really interesting how that just keeps just keeps going, you know? Yeah. People keep citing something that they can't explain or getting a picture of something where you, you can't classify that animal. It's pretty interesting. It is. So what do you think? Bigfoot, real or not real? I'm going to go, I'm going to have to go with, uh, you all come down on the side of real in some way. I'll, I'll go real. I'm deciding. Real in some way. Real. Yeah. Yeah. Is it my turn? Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm looking at you. <laughs> oh, 
you know, I'm kind of one of those people that I just never say never. Um, we've, I mean, there have been plenty of legendary creatures that turned out to not be so legendary and were plenty real enough. I mean, just look at the giant squid. Now that, that is a fearsome creature to behold. It's huge, you know, and it's real, super real. They get massive. And I mean, the narwhal, look at that sucker. It's got a unicorn horn. (laughs) Yeah. And that's so real. Um, I think it's totally possible that there is a creature that is somewhere between man and ape or something like that um, that lives quietly in the woods. I think that's definitely possible. And if it's not around now, I think it's definitely possible that there was something like that in the past to inspire these stories. So I would say real, at least historically, and maybe now. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, just something that uh, wants to stay away from everybody, wants to be left alone, and uh, you know, just wants to live peacefully by itself. That uh, that seems like something we could all aspire to, right? Like just <laughs> live and let live. It's not bothering anybody. Doesn't want to be bothered. Like that. There you go. There's there's an example to live by right there. Go go Sasquatch. Yeah. Maybe he could learn to take a shower now and then, so we're sure. not calling him a skunk ape. Yeah. <laughs> but otherwise, you know, not so much shower. Just go jump in on. A nice moving river. Yeah, a non, non-swamp, non-swamp water. Yeah. Every once in a while, get that skunk ape smell off. But otherwise, you just keep being you, Bigfoot. I respect that. Yeah. Yeah. Popping up occasionally in pictures to photobomb and then <laughs> yeah. disappearing. That's, that's cool. Yeah. All right. So there you go. That's That's our... That's our take on Bigfoot. Yeah, there it is. Anything else? All right. It's been fun. Let us know what you think about Bigfoot. Especially if you've ever seen him. If you've ever had a Bigfoot sighting, definitely let us know. Yes. If you have footage, let us know first. (laughs) Yes, post the pictures and and the videos. And yeah, that would be great. Yep. Cool. Alright, we'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening. If you liked our show, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can find out more on our website, things to think on.co. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Larry Evans. You can also find Kelly on Twitter at S. Kelly Evans. See you next time.